0: everyone. Hello. Hello. Good day.
1: Good day.
2: Good day to you, sir. <laughs>
0: and good to you.
1: Day. Yeah. I
2: said good day. I say good day. day. <laughs> say good day. <laughs> we don't say good day to you because we're just getting started. No. listeners. Yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. That was just weird.
3: Kind of forgot for a minute we were even recording. Yep. Yep. <laughs> we are. <laughs>
2: It, it's funny because I have the recording power, so you often don't know when I start right. recording. But right. we are recording. Right. Okay, here we are.
0: She's got all sorts of stuff of us saying things we shouldn't. I really Stocked do. Up that it's she's pretty blackmail, <laughs> That's true. Just a cachet of uh-huh.
3: terrible things. You, well, of times that we're like, you mm-hmm. can cut this out. Yeah. Right, yeah. Uh huh. Uh
1: huh.
2: I actually delete those because I don't <laughs> want. I don't want any of us to have blackmail material. Like we are all in this together. Uh-huh like that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Uh-huh. You're welcome. I you never know when that. the cloud's going to turn on you. Uh, yeah. Except when I cut some and then add it to the end of episodes as a secret track. <laughs> uh-huh.
3: Which is my new favorite thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: So here we are. It's 1997.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: The year that we're talking about is 1997. Yeah, it's, it's still... We haven't traveled back in time. <laughs> no, It's still... 2024 yeah, here we are here we are here but we are. we're looking at 1997 we mm-hmm. are we're leering at it we are
3: leering <laughs> we're lurking <laughs> around or is it leering
2: at us well, maybe yeah it's, it's mm-hmm. giving us a little side uh-huh. eye mm-hmm. yeah shall we start with some unmitigated gall however i think we should okay mm-hmm. yeah would one of you like to go first
3: i i sure can let's do um. it mm-hmm. My unmitigated call this week is myself. Oh. <laughs> oh Yeah. We've become self-aware again, Heath. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, so I mentioned before we started recording uh, that we took our youngest child to Dave & Buster's oh, no. arcade. Uh-huh. And I consider myself a logical, calm, rational person sure. under most circumstances. Not to say that there aren't times that I'm none of those things, but mm-hmm. most of the time I like to think that. And I, (laughs) we walked in there and I don't, as a parent, you'll relate, parents will relate to the fact that there's this, this mass feeling of like ticket grabbing because like your kid wants to play the games they want to play, but then they also want tickets at the end. And sometimes those two things don't line up. Like the games they want to play aren't as easy, all that. So As parents, sometimes we wander the perimeter and just throw a few in games to rack up the tickets. So Mike and Mason are doing these VR headset things, which I cannot do because it makes me sick to my stomach. Uh. So they're playing that and I'm like stuck wandering around. So I find this SpongeBob coin game where you just have to hit this button and it goes through a thing. You just have to time it right and it flies through this window and you get tickets. That's all I thought the game was at first. Okay, <laughs> So I figure out, I'm like just watching it, timing it, and then I hit the button and it's just going through the window. And I'm like, this is not hard. And I look down and every time I'm getting it through the window, I'm getting like 20 tickets. And I was like... Is this supposed to be hard? Like, I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> In the meantime, something spits out the bottom of the machine. And I realize it's these little, like, Spongebob collectible cards. Oh. And I look up and it says on the thing, each of those cards is worth 50 tickets. And it spit out two. I don't even know why. So now I'm completely confounded by the game. So I swipe it again because I'm like, I got to understand this whole thing. What's wrong with you, Aaron? that you sat there <laughs> for <laughs> a solid 20 minutes <laughs> just... Hitting that window every time. This feels like an entry to gambling. So much. Yeah. So much. It felt so wrong that I was this desperate. There was a card on the edge that I was like, well, I got to keep going. That card's mine. That 50 tickets is mine. I don't know if there was a line. I never looked. I never wow. looked. I was sitting on a stool like an old school gambler. Yeah. If, I, if you could smoke in there, I probably would yeah, have taken it up in that have amount of time. You Had were going to get ball. tennis elbow after yeah. a while.
2: Just the... Yeah. You, it
3: was just this little motion... Finally, they get done with the VR headset and come over. And Mike's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I want more card to get. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. This quickly I have devolved into So this. that's seriously all the game was? Yeah. If you just time it, like you just had to wait until you could see on the screen when it was past a certain point, And that's right when you hit the button. It went in every time. And so I was like, I don't know if I've hacked this game. <laughs> I don't know. But I'm in. I'm in. I'm in.
2: Wow, I think this is the first of multiple conversations we're going to have Heath uh-huh. where, you know, suddenly like a week from now she's going to be like listen, I need to borrow some money. <laughs>
3: Listen, I am so close to that 12th Spongebob card, and I'm going to need it now. If we, so. if we
0: record the next episode of this at Dave and Busters, oh listeners, you'll know. <laughs> you'll know. Yeah. You're going to have to meet me issue. at the and <laughs>
3: because yeah. I got to get my Spongebob cards. That's right. We're
2: never going to see her in this house again. We always have to go to her.
3: What I liked about it at the end, Mike was like, can you refrain from bragging about how many tickets you got to our child while he's <laughs> no. And I was like, oh, no. When we get the total, I'm going to be sure and tell him. Three-fourths of those are mine. Yeah.
2: That's just good mothering right cool. there. And
3: that's absolutely what I did. Yeah. I mm-hmm. was like, congratulations. You can get that because I racked up some tickets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, soon you're going to be going to – you're going to be one of the Prairie Meadows folk. It, 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 I, it felt like it, it got there quick. Yeah. It mm-hmm. got there quick. The whole atmosphere and I, – apparently I cannot be left on my own in places like that is what I've learned is no. that I am – Soon we're going to see your fashion change <laughs> and we're going to – <laughs> what does it like... I
2: don't know. I'm just picturing my great-grandmother all of okay, a sudden. Okay. Where it's just, like, very, like, curly hair mm.
3: and slacks. Got to be wearing slacks. <laughs> I'm going to get dressy for yep, my... Yeah, you got to get dressy. Okay. You got to wear
2: open-toe sandals with some hose. Oh, Some hosiery. Done, <laughs> done.
3: done. Okay. And you got
2: to have your cigarette always, always there. Yep. And yeah. my social
3: security check and I am gambling. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's how it felt. And then I yeah. was like, this place is dangerous and we need to leave <laughs> <laughs> There's some things going
2: on in here. Well, I'm glad the gall is you because yeah, you revealed some uh, potential gambling tendencies. When I got back in
3: the car, I thought, "Who are you? (laughs) We need to go home. I don't feel good." You had to take yourself home. I did. I was like, "I need to remove myself from this. How dare I?" Because I feel like I I I didn't I didn't yell at any child, but I feel like it was there.
2: Oh, that would have been better
3: though if you had. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: But I mean, to be fair though, if you leave Dave and Buster's and don't feel bad. Like, that's also a problem. A good, <laughs> like, you should yeah, yeah, feel yeah. kind of okay. bad. Yeah. That's a good busters, point. So. Yeah. Okay.
3: <laughs> that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I'm glad we're back from the end. Yeah. All Thanks. right, Heath, how about you?
0: Uh, I think my unmitigated unmitig- goal, maybe maybe it's my age, but I'm going to present it differently. Okay. It's just that I'm tired of smart things helping me out. Mm. I'm tired of my, my Apple Watch offering me suggestions. I'm tired of it uh, yes. at 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning saying, hey, your rings aren't very far along. It's like, you know what, asshole? Screw it's Saturday. You. You're it's a Saturday. watch. <laughs> you know it's Saturday. You You're know what watch. time it is. You're
1: like, a watch. Yeah.
0: You know, I, yeah, I, I'm tired of that. I'm tired of it telling me to stand up when when I haven't been standing up enough. And it's like, I stand up plenty, babe.
3: Yeah. Wow. They I get don't... up and walk around. That uh-huh. one really pisses uh-huh. me off.
2: I think we had this conversation with Haley and Maggie where I don't have any of that on my phone. Somehow I deliberately shut that all off. I don't remember how, mm-hmm. but I live a way better life because of it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I did manage to turn off Amber Alerts on my phone. Oh, <laughs> in a meeting at work like in an actual room with people and everybody else's phones went off but mine and they all kind of looked at me and I'm like I can't find this child. I will never I'm not going to stop what I'm doing to go look for this kid.
2: I'm not going to go out to the streets in the woods.
0: No. Yeah. Like I mean I did that I think once it did it in the middle of the night and it's just like listen if somebody's hearing an Amber Alert on their phone in the middle of the night and they get up to go look for that child that's not who you want looking for that no, child. No
2: that's not who you want that's no. a looky-loo.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs>
1: <laughs> is that the word? <laughs> it absolutely is. <laughs> I don't know why that just <laughs> took me back.
2: Yeah. So yeah, your your things have got an attitude. Yeah,
0: yeah. and That's I just feel like I feel re- I feel judged. Ugh. I do. I feel I feel judged, and I feel harshly criticized. That's bullshit. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't like
3: it. I don't
2: mm-hmm.
0: like it either.
3: And you run marathons.
0: Yeah. So- <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, half.
3: You, have, but you run like every okay. day, so it's judgment. Distinction you? without a difference. Yes. Right. Half marathon. Okay, <laughs> I ran half of a step. <laughs>
2: like, <laughs> I think I hustled across the street the other day. What? And it felt like, oof, that was Ooh, a lot.
3: That was some
2: effort. I'm feeling myself. <laughs> I'm uh, two uh, steps uh. away from half. Uh, uh.
0: <laughs> well, if my watch had been around when you did that, it probably would have been like, nice try, bitch. <laughs>
3: That's not enough. (laughs) You know, that's funny because there might be an app idea in there. Uh Get like some really sassy technology. I bet some people would really like that. That's very Mm -hmm. true. Get your ass up. Like you sent me a GPS one time that you can record (laughs) your friend's voice saying things like Turn "Turn you
2: dumb bitch. Yeah.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She offered and I was like, done. I would love that.
2: I, mean, I think we should be each other's GPS yeah, voices.
0: Yeah. 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 That could be a side hustle. Yeah. 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 Listeners, if you want us to be your GPS <laughs> voices, just send DM us. Check We'd to cash. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> it's funny. We haven't received any checks to cash yet, but yeah. We will. We Damn will. it. We're we manifesting will. this shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, my unmitigated gall is kind of inspired by and stolen from your husband. Oh. Because um, as, I, as I said, I'm often preparing these notes on our Friday mornings where we're doing coffee. And I said to him, like, oh, man, I'm not sure what my gall is this week. And he's like, I've got one. And I said, OK. <laughs> and he said, it's music pumped into public places. Like, you're walking. He was specifically talking about Court Avenue. Like, when you walk by those, like, patios that are closed down, but there's still music oh, like, being yeah, pumped yep. by. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's annoying. But then it got me thinking. Oh, and he also said like in front of Jordan Creek wall, Mall where it's just music blasting as you walk in the doors yeah. and he's like this this That's is how it was at Dave and
3: Busters? There was the basketball game outside before you yeah. even got in.
2: So I went a little further and I said, "When you hear your high school rage music being played at high V overhead oh, or something. Yeah. You know, where it's like, it, "Don't you dare play Nirvana's if it's easy <laughs> listening. What are you doing?" Yeah. <laughs> Any Actually, though, like any store that's playing music over, and, he, and Michael actually had a good point, like Barnes & Noble has killed Ella Fitzgerald, because it's actually like decent music, but it just plays it over and over, <laughs> so much. it's just this background bullshit, you know, and no one's paying attention. Um, and I don't know the answer, because I think it'd be really jarring if you walk into a store, there's just dead noise, and there's no music mm-hmm. whatsoever. Right. But it's really jarring to hear the music, too, so I don't know the answer. I don't know the solution. Always, I'm just telling you my goal.
0: It always messes with my head like early in the morning when I'm at the like at the Y and they have like the bus, which is sort of a classic rock station in Des Moines yeah. that they play, playing, but they're playing a song that came out like ten years after I graduated yes. high school. And I'm just like, that can't be classic rock. No, like, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs>
2: or like I'm in Whole Foods and they're playing like Rage Against as kitschy nostalgia. I'm like, no, 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 no. no, <laughs> no. That's not it's not cool. So I feel like the only exception is maybe like a record store where they're playing stuff and then you get turned on to cool music. Like there's like, oh, that's cool. And I'm here and I can buy it. Yeah. This makes good sense. Yep. Yep. But everywhere else, it's just doing music a disservice.
3: See, I was thinking, wow, we might have just created a new genre of music. Like if I was musically talented, you could just create store music and
1: Mm
2: -hmm.
3: sell it. And just be like, this is solely to play in the background of your store so that it's not scary because it's quiet, but it's not... Ruining people's musical love Well, and
2: when, you know, Michael and I are doing like coffee shops on Friday mornings, it's often very different. You know, you go to different coffee shops and mm. sometimes there's a very cool vibe and so it's kind of cool what you're hearing. We were at the Hotel Fort Des Moines lobby and it was just pumping in like old school Frank Sinatra and Big Band and ooh, it was ooh. very jarring and it was also <laughs> just like they're really trying hard for like yeah. a vibe and it was 9 a.m. on a Friday morning That's and we didn't much. need that vibe. Mm-hmm. No, It felt Mm-hmm. like a cocktail hour and yeah no so that's my goal it's a good one thank you so i, I share half the credit i guess with your husband mm-hmm. but
0: i don't want to really share yeah. all of it don't no okay. hell yeah good. no that'll, I think it's that'll cause me a bunch of problems at home listen good podcasters are like
3: good journalists you f- you found the story it exactly. doesn't matter yeah. where it came from exactly yeah mm-hmm. exactly
2: we take inspiration from everywhere yes. that's what writing is we steal it yes. all the time yeah
3: yeah. If you're around
2: us, just know we're sponges and we're but taking we have, it all. We are taking it all in, and we are watching your behavior. And you might show up. You might show up as golf.
3: You might show up as gall.
0: Be warned. Yeah, be warned.
2: All right. So we should we dive into ninety seven. Nineteen ninety seven. Aaron, do you have something for us?
3: I do. Um, I, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happened this year. Yeah,
1: but yeah. But
3: something that I didn't realize, but that I feel like i wish i had known at the time mm. and now i appreciate even more because we're coming off of super bowl weekend we're coming off of lots of football right and that seems to be america's pastime as they call it i don't know who's
0: anyway <laughs> <laughs> i don't know who's making those choices but yeah i don't know about that but
3: uh on november 10th in 1997 pandemonium broke out pandemonium Vets? pandomoni oh <laughs>
2: that's a lot of syllables right i really
3: <laughs> emphasized all <of> the syllables <laughs> broke out at bet stadium in philadelphia that's what lincoln center stadium which is in philadelphia where the eagles play used to be called bet stadium the Eagles are playing the 49ers, and someone set off a flare gun Oh, oh. to the other section, right? Not great. Not great choices. Like a fan shut up? At- yes. Oh. Yeah. Yep. And then fisticuffs broke out everywhere. Oh. And they had just more than they could handle. They had way too many people fighting. They couldn't get it under control. And so what they thought was like, we need a solution to rowdy football people. Oh, No. Specifically at the Philadelphia Stadium, apparently. And so some some brainiacs got in a room. <laughs> oh no. Is
2: it a marketing meeting? They
3: said <laughs> I guess, but yeah. this went dark fast and okay. clearly no one pumped the brakes. But they said, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna open a jail and a courtroom. What? In the Philadelphia <laughs> Stadium. Yeah. What? A jail and a courtroom.
0: How do they even have the parking for that? <laughs>
3: And unruly fans can be taken to jail in the stadium, and then judges who volunteer on game days can hear the case and dole out punishments, Uh, right? How
2: drunk are these judges? I would imagine. game day. Well, let
3: me, we'll just take a side tour real quick, and then we'll come back. The main judge in charge of this, Judge Seamus Patrick McCaffrey. Seamus. Seamus, yeah. Yeah, you had (laughs) to know something was going to down. Later in 2014, he had to resign after he was found to have sent 234 pornographic emails yeah. to an employee in the attorney general's yeah, office yeah that sounds right that's he right. he agreed to he retire 34. so he could keep his retirement his pension of course because we wouldn't want to take his pension god away. no i mean it's just mm-hmm. a little porn in yeah the it's not, you
0: know it's a drop in the bucket yeah so
3: so that's who's leading this right okay. so most of the crimes were things like sneaking in alcohol selling towels in the lock in the bathroom <laughs> or oh. he, <laughs> were they
0: selling towels? What are you like, in for, selling towels? Yeah, I don't
3: know. That's what it said. There were no quotes, but I kind of put quotes okay. on selling towels. And disorderly behavior. And then if it was more serious, an actual, like, an additional court date would be scheduled. But most of the time, they were just fined, like, anywhere from 150 to $300 and then community service and sent out to the stadium. No idea. But they went through the process to make it happen. Huh. My favorite part about this, though, is that there was a quote from the Re- Philadelphia Recreation Commissioner at the time about whether or not this was working. He said, and I quote, "I think it helped restore relative order." Yeah, the vet had a relative order. Uh, uh, <laughs> the way that you said relative twice. Yeah. Uh, it clues me into the probably it, it didn't, didn't work. It no. didn't work. Cuz in 2003 when the vet stadium was rebranded to what it is today, um it opened under its current name then they got rid of it because they said it wasn't really working like they anticipated because after they did it then things kind of settled down and so then there wasn't like judges were sitting there and there wasn't the traffic and so they're like we can't really justify the cost so we'll stop it but I just that blew my mind that we had a court and a jail in a football stadium and that seemed perfectly reasonable at the time is that where the Iowa State Fair got its uh, idea for State Fair Jail? Do you Probably. think? Probably. <laughs> I would Probably. imagine. Because how's that legal either? Yeah. Like, I don't understand this. I know. We're just taking the law in our own hands. Yeah, just citizens arrest all over the place at a football stadium. But, but also the part about
2: charging fines seems real dicey. Uh-huh. That this isn't, like, a legal situation. Well,
3: and then, you know, I don't know. I didn't do that deep of a dive. But I wonder, jurisdiction, like, where is that fine going to? Is it going mm-hmm. to the state? Yeah. Is it going to the yeah. county? Is it going to the stadium? Is it going to the judge? Like, what right. are we – where's right. that money going? But I just – in. Things about football never cease to amaze me. Oh, <laughs> like yeah. the the parameters and the things that we put around it. And this one just, I was like, wow, some things never change. Because like this wouldn't surprise me if this came out now. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't be, I would be like that tracks. But I love that they tried this and we're like, oh, well, that didn't work like we thought.
2: Really? Hmm. Also just the expectation of rowdy behavior yeah. at games. Like I, I know this is not just US. I mean, UK mm-hmm. has a long history of, you know, hooliganism mm-hmm. at uh, at matches at but like yes <laughs> but even like i'm even thinking so at, at this time i was at university of iowa right mm-hmm. and so like starting maybe the my sophomore year so like 96 and 97 season I was getting student tickets and I was going to the game all the time. And in the student section, it's like two big, uh, you know, stadiums redone now, but two big like uh, whole sections devoted to students. And it was just chaos. Like when they open the doors, everyone runs to the bottom so they can get closest to the, uh, to the field. And in 96 and 97, things got wild. Like... Hayden Fry was still coach, and like there were situations where like somebody brought like a hogshead, and like threw it on the field. Like it was getting weird. Like an actual, like an actual oh. hogshead. Oh, no. To the and but seems
0: unhygienic. <laughs> that doesn't seem <laughs> right. the,
2: the the punishment that they came up with is that you could no longer sing "In Heaven There Is No Beer" during the game. You had to wait until the game was over to sing that. And that was their reaction to the hog throwing incident.
3: This is so interesting because Beth just tried to explain to me two weeks ago that that's an actual song. In Heaven There Is No Beer, that's why we drink it here. She's like, it's an Iowa Hawkeye song. I was like, never heard that. Oh. Like, we made merciless shit out of her. So now I'm going to have to eat crow. (laughs) You're going
2: to have to eat crow because that is a real thing and it dates back a long time. Well, she then brought,
3: she has a sweatshirt apparently she was given at some point. She brought it the next time that has that saying on it. And I was like, that proves nothing.
2: Yeah, In Heaven There Is No Beer, that's why we drink it here and now the rest of the words have escaped my mind but there's a whole there's a number of lyrics Aaron. wow
3: mm. i didn't know that was such no. a long storied history Hogsheads, that's yeah is that the moment you became vegan <laughs> <laughs>
2: i didn't see any of that okay also like the entire student section is just wasted so mm-hmm. like we you know and we snuck in alcohol and everything and so they cracked down on alcohol rules
0: and yeah it was
3: number one crime in philly court
0: <sighs> i've never been to a nfl football game in person i have been to an iowa hawkeyes game mm-hmm. it was probably maybe 2018 2019 okay. we went the yeah. day after thanksgiving it was very cold it was oh, very yeah. rainy oh. a I, bunch of us were gonna go and yeah, i was like, whoa, whoa. everyone kind of canceled yeah but it was travis and michael and i and i remember i was waiting in line for something at the concession stand i think it was getting hot chocolate or something like that and there was a woman who was so drunk, oh, and no. this was like at 11 in the morning. Oh no. She put her face underneath the ranch dispenser from the cheese curd oh. stand and was just pumping ranch right into <laughs> her mouth. <laughs>
1: I want her to go <laughs> to jail
0: for that. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the person working the cheese day just looked at her like he had seen this nineteen times already that day. Like <laughs> he didn't care. He didn't say anything. He was just like, "It's was easier she, to just let her finish up."
2: Was she an adult or like college age?
0: I would guess she was in her mid to late twenties. Okay, so still yeah. an
2: adult. And yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Wow.
0: Oh. And I don't think she. I mean, this was like maybe partway through the first quarter. I mean, this was not. She didn't make it in that game.
3: No.
2: And they don't sell alcohol, or at least they didn't used to. So you had to do like three or four hours of tailgating before you got into the game. I think they sell it
3: in the stadium now. Do they?
2: I think they do. I think
0: they've changed that.
3: Uh Anyway. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Football.
0: Mm -hmm. So, football jail. It sounds like the premise for kind of an iffy TV show.
3: I was actually, when she was talking, I was thinking about if you were like a judge on one of those shows and we were your bailiffs, (laughs) and I kind of liked that. Like, just... (laughs) You doling I, out the punishment?
0: Yes. That would make a good show, though. Amy somehow ends up as the judge in football court. Yes. <laughs> and um, she doesn't really want to be there. When she said the hooliganism, there. I was yeah. like, oh, she's made for TV judge
3: right there. <laughs> when we're just bailiffs in the corner and be like mm, she said it that's uh-huh. your punishment and I get somehow
2: yeah. like some puns or something about in heaven there is no beer like yeah. I get all into you it you get yeah. everything Yeah. Uh-huh. 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 but then when someone quizzes me on the rules of football I'll be like um,
3: that's not what's on trial that's here not on trial. that's not on trial that's not on trial that's when we jump in no. no no no
2: I like it football
0: justice mm-hmm. yeah. Amy Lillard
3: yep your parents would never be more proud oh my god <laughs>
0: That's actually true, though, right? Yeah. Like, we're not even kidding. Yeah, and I wasn't joking. I was like, your dad was like, front <laughs> so and center wow. every episode. I
2: would have made it in his. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> All right, Heath, what do you got? Um, you may recall uh, in 1997, mm. um, it was the heyday of the must-see TV era. Mm. Ooh, sure was. Yep. Yes, it was. Thursday nights on NBC, had it had Friends, it had Seinfeld, it had ER. All TV shows that regularly attracted between like 25 and 35 million viewers. And so for comparison, now the top rated show on NBC on Thursday nights is Law & Order SVU with about 4.7 million viewers. Wow! Wow. So that's just to kind of give you some perspective there. So, and you know, everyone remembers Friends. We all remember Seinfeld. We all remember ER. But I want to talk about the other shows (laughs) that aired on NBC on Thursday nights. Friends was always on at 7. Seinfeld was on at 8. Er was on at nine central time anyway, and for I don't know what five six years they just tried to fiddle those other two gaps for shows and just they were wedging stuff almost in. always garbage. <laughs> that's, that's... <laughs> and I don't know how, I don't know what the thinking was If they were like this is the garbage show we'll put it on between Friends and Er and people will watch it or if they were just like maybe like I don't know I don't know why they kept doing it it was just it was they kept failing. So I, what I've got here is I've got a list of some oh, of those shows. Yes. And I would, I would yes. like uh I would like you to chime in and okay. tell me <laughs> if you remember okay. any All of right. these. Okay. Okay. Hope and Gloria. Yes. All right, yeah, what yeah. Was
3: that? was that Kelly Ripa?
0: No. Oh. This was about backstage to life at a daytime talk show. The the host of that show was Alan Thick, R. I. P.
3: Oh. Oh nope. Sorry. I was thinking was yeah. that raising hope? Maybe that was Kelly Rippa's. Was...
0: No. I know the one you're talking about. It's (laughs) her and uh, the gal from Murphy Brown. Yeah. And I think Hope was in the title.
3: Okay. Okay. (laughs) Uh,
0: Yeah. So, yeah. So, we're we're zero for one. Zero, zero. Yep. Mm -hmm. How about uh, Madman of the People?
3: Oh, my God. What?
0: (laughs) This had Dabney Coleman, and he was a newspaper columnist. (laughs) Wow. The boss from 9 to 5 as a newspaper columnist. Okay. 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 Uh Uh-huh. This one you might remember. The single guy.
2: Who was in it? Was it uh, that guy, Jonathan something?
0: Jonathan Silverman. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. 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 yeah, yeah. I
1: yeah, 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 that yeah. one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And again, it's it's funny that the most kind of generic title we've run into so far yes. is the one, that, the one that we remember. The one that people yeah. remember. Yeah. yeah. This one you might remember, uh, Caroline in the City. Yeah. Yeah. I loved that one. Huh? Yep. Was
2: that Leah
1: Tom?
0: Yes. Leah was She was, a, she was yeah. a cartoonist. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. What about uh, Boston Common?
3: I remember the name, but I don't think I ever watched it no who was
0: in that uh, comedian anthony clark played a uh, they describe him as a country bumpkin who follows his nope. sister into the city because <laughs> she's going to college and he's like protecting her or whatever. sounds terrible Yeah.
2: sounds bad awful. premise yeah,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. um what about suddenly susan oh yes <laughs> mm-hmm. that yeah. was uh Wait, was that Brooke Shields? Yes. Okay. Kathy,
3: Kathy Griffin, wasn't uh-huh. it, Is in there? Yeah. I distinctly
0: remember during the Summer Olympics in 1996, they promoted the fuck out of the show. <laughs> every 20 minutes, Brooke Shields was on the TV being like, I got a new sitcom coming out. Like, every 20 minutes. I got tired of it before the show even started.
2: That must have worked because that one was on for a while, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Those are the two things I remember from the 96 Olympics is Carrie Strong's foot <laughs> and Brooke Shields. And
1: Brooke Shields, the <laughs> season, uh-huh. ad.
0: <laughs> uh, um uh let's how about the naked truth
3: yep that was T- a was that? journal weren't they a tabloid. Yep. or something yep. was a tablet yes. or oh. yep. yeah i think i watched some of these in like syndication later on uh-huh. maybe yeah. not like on thursday night
0: here's another one uh union square no yep uh this was just uh, uh a group of uh new yorkers hanging out at a Place that was a lot like Central Park, but it so was a diner. So it's friends, right? It's <laughs> friends oh, yeah.
3: with a different, co- it's a different <laughs> coffee shop. Right, right,
2: right, right. right.
0: Yes. Uh, what about uh, Veronica's Closet? Yes, <laughs> that
2: was Kirstie Alley, right? Yep. Yeah, yep. she was. Uh-huh.
0: Uh, she ran a, 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 a Victoria's Secret type uh, That's right. lingerie empire. Um, <clears throat> Veronica's Closet. <laughs> do you remember uh, Stark Raving Mad?
2: Yeah, that was uh, Neil Patrick Harris.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. And Tony Shalhoub was in it. Oh, Monty. my gosh. Yep. Yes. Wow. Uh, how about Daddy-O? Oh,
3: gosh, sure <laughs> do Oh,
0: God. Michael Chiklis played, I assume, someone's father. I hope the so. Commish. The Commish. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The Commish. <laughs> Daddy-O. Um, yeah. Like then, I mean, there's more of them. Uh, Battery Park, Cursed, Inside Schwartz, Leap of Faith, Good Morning Miami, Coupling. These were all shows. Oh, my God. <laughs> this list is so long. I didn't even include all of them on the list. Was not coupling so the of. one
2: where they were trying to adapt a UK show? Yes. And it went real bad, real fast. Yes. Oh, uh-huh. okay. yeah.
0: And it was kind of, I mean, it was sort of, it looked way too much like Friends. It was like yeah. six people and, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And also, the other thing, my only other takeaway from Must See TV is I distinctly remember in the summer of 1997, NBC kept promoting Must See TV, but uh-huh. they since they were all reruns in the summer... It always ended the promo with if you haven't seen it, it's new to you and it's like
2: I remember that too <laughs>
0: like no shit, Sherlock. That
2: felt very patronizing <laughs> yes. too. Yes. <laughs> it's new to you. <laughs>
0: so yes. Must see TV. Wow. We'll we'll never have that again, everybody. We'll oh never have boy. something like that again.
3: No, you really no, won't no. because Mm-mm. they would never – like that many shows that they roll out that don't. Mm-hmm. And each one was like super hyped, right? Yep. And
2: it was like, this is going to be the one. Mm-hmm. It feels like I really want a clue into those marketing meetings. Like, okay, guys. Yep. This <laughs> is six, 16 of them have failed. What's the next one? Yeah. What's the 17th <laughs> idea? I
3: have to say in this year of 2024, I'm still amazed when I see like a new – Sitcom being advertised yeah. like oh, we're really you're still trying we're still it, doing like, it. with still streaming doing it. being able to do so much more with a situational comedy. The fact that people are still trying to do it in twenty two minutes and put it out mm-hmm. on one of the major networks just blows my mind sometimes. Yeah, because mm-hmm.
0: yeah. you don't. I mean, I you know, I you TV shows don't really make money until they've been on the air for like five or six seasons right. and they can start selling them. Yeah. In yeah, yeah. So it's just such a huge gamble.
2: Which is, it makes makes sense then that they have just 15 SVUs and like right. 16 CSIs because right. they're all proven and you can just keep churning them out for season and season and season. Or and game
3: shows it. that take an hour that yeah. can be done in 20 minutes. Yep. Yeah, that just filling that time, I feel like.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, my first item from Ooh. 1997. Was the premiere of a special little show on VH1 called Behind the Music? <gasps> yes.
3: I literally saw this and was like, "Someone's <laughs> yes. else. One of these <laughs> other two is covering
2: I, this, is this on here yet?" No. Okay. No. Nope. So.
0: But this is. I remember when Lisa Left Eye Lopez taught me record math from <laughs> <laughs> from Behind the Music. <laughs>
2: really like a big deal and okay it was so it was an hour long documentary series and it literally took fans behind the music of you know TLC or like any band you could think of any musicians sometimes it was like of the moment musicians sometimes it was more established people and it was an immediate hit and over the next several years it covered like all different genres and eras and it says from like the 70s to the early 2000s and but it had a very like it had a pattern, right? Mm -hmm. It was like the, ooh, the meteoric rise, and then, uh uh-oh, drugs and all the sex and then the the fall, right? And then, ooh, the rise again, and Mm -hmm. here we are. And because it had that pattern, like, you got used to it, and it it kind of felt comforting in a way, but then it made it very parodable, if that's a word. It made it better to be parodied?
1: Yeah. You know what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: And my favorite one, favorite parody of that is Will Ferrell, Playing a psychotic Neil Diamond <laughs> in behind the music, <laughs> and it came out probably around here, maybe like a year or two after this. I even looked for it on YouTube, and I couldn't find it.
1: Really? So I don't
2: know where this thing is. You you use your research powers, and you find it. Okay. Um,
3: but Are you talking to me or the listener? It's <laughs> to you. Okay. It sounded very direct.
2: <laughs> you always find all the stuff. Yeah. Um, but in that uh, <laughs> SNL clip, he's like oh, Neil Diamond. That's just he's telling the stories behind the songs, but they're always something real bizarre. Like you just don't know. And a one, my favorite line is like, "Let me tell you about this time I killed a drifter to get an erection." <laughs> <laughs> um, so, if anything, I mean, beyond behind the music, it kept going for a long time. It was yeah. chugging along, yeah. and it was you know, it gave us lots of. Behind the music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tidbits. Mm-hmm. But then it also gave us all this great, you know, SNL fodder.
0: I distinctly, I, I mentioned the TLC one. Mm-hmm. And I and Lisa Left Eye Lopez explained in record math because everyone was like, how could you declare bankruptcy when yeah. you had the number one song in the country? Yeah. And it's, it was so interesting and she was so clear on how she did it. And um, I remember that one specifically, and I remember Shania Twain's episode. Yeah, mm, yeah. Uh, because, I mean, she had kind of a tragic upbringing. Like, you know, her parents were killed in a car accident. She was kind of responsible for raising her siblings and stuff. But what I, the other thing I remember specifically from her episode is that her name, Shania, means on my way in Ojibwe. <laughs> and I, oh. for some reason, pulled that out of thin air one day and told <laughs> Michael that. And now whenever he's, like, on his way home from something, he'll just text me. He'll just write Shania. <laughs> And that's all I, I, I know. That. He's on his way home. <laughs> that's great. Uh huh. That is great. Yeah. Behind the music. Kind mm-hmm. I mean, and ever they had a lot of those like that. I mean, the the chicks did one and yeah. Uh,
2: yeah, I mean, it was country yeah. music. It was rock music. Yeah. It was pop music. It was everything. They were great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for a while, like I, I remember, maybe after this, for, they they had so many that they would sometimes do marathons of them. Yeah. Like there's just so many. And yeah, it was it was something you could easily sink into. Before the days I think the real big days of like reality T V, like this yep. was sort of not necessarily mindless, but like right easy to watch kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was great. I mean, it was like free publicity for, I mean, a record yes. labels certainly loved that their artists got to do this, and yeah. you know, it probably didn't cost them any money.
2: I do wonder like, how much of Behind the Music was true and how much
0: not. You know, right. like that SNL
2: parody where he's talking about what's behind the music, and it's always something real fucked up. Um, like, I wonder if, you know... <laughs> Maybe there's more fucked up stuff, but they right. were like, "Oh, this was about the time I was inspired by a tree or something right. like that." You know, yeah, they like like yeah, made it artistic it or the, whatever. Yeah, it,
0: it makes you wonder how like how many publicists or record execs were kind of standing off camera, kind of directing yes. like uh, or, uh, what, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What, what you can say. I saw a clip recently of. <laughs> Mariah Carey being interviewed by Tabitha Soren. Oh my gosh. But the clip was Mariah Carey's publicist was off camera and her and Tabitha Soren were just tearing into each other Whoa. because she did not like the questions Tabitha Soren was asking Mariah Carey. And Mariah Carey's just kinda of sitting there with this look on, <laughs> this blank look on her face. She's like you guys, can we just you know? She's just trying to keep the peace and like you know, can we just wrap this up? And you know, uh, you know, oh <laughs> Tabitha Sword is gosh. like, you've been a fucking nightmare this <gasps> whole time. Like not to Mariah Carey, <gasps> to the publicist. That's <laughs> probably what yeah. every interaction. is That's what I
3: want. Like, That's the emotions. behind the scenes yeah. I want now. Uh-huh. Yes, it's yeah. like the untold yeah. behind the scenes scenes. Yeah, yeah.
2: Tabitha Sword, I can picture I, her. so Like well. she never, yeah. she
0: didn't come unravelled. Like at, no. at least not on my like, on no, camera she was Normally, always very steady yeah, yeah. her Kurt Loader.
3: Yeah, Kurt Loader. Yeah, wow. Well, my next one for 1997 is 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 a classic. It's okay, a, it's a crime.
2: Oh, of course it <laughs> is. Yeah,
3: it's a it's the murder of Gianni Versace. I
2: knew you were going to pick this. Yeah, up. <laughs> in
3: 1997, because uh, obvious crime, and uh-huh. I had to go there. Yeah, and I watched the American Crime Story. And if you haven't on this, the one that Ryan Murphy did, it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So. There's probably nothing I'm going to tell you that you don't already know if you watch it. But this that. was a
2: wild story. It caught our yes. attention yeah. in 1997. It did, because yeah. I
3: remember, I mean, I am I was a couple of years in high school at this point, and I remember this vividly. I mean, I remember the news about it and the kind of, like, shock and, like, how could this happen right outside his house? Mm-hmm. And why was he targeted? There was just so much surrounding it for it to come out to be kind of what it was, mm-hmm. which was almost not a crime of opportunity, but almost, like, in a in a... I mean, definitely a stalker way, but not in the not what everyone assumed. I think when they first heard it. So obviously, it's one of the most infamous crimes in the history of South Florida because he was so famous and
0: and that's saying something. I mean, South Florida is a, a fucking it. mess. There's right, a lot of crime.
3: You're talking, yeah, we got lot of things going on there so yeah but good job DeSantis on Disney you're killing it (laughs) really going after the hard hitters there um so even though he was known globally for his fashion designs he was mainly known in that area for his iconic mansion on Ocean Drive which is not where he was gunned down that's where he was killed was right on the steps but um now I looked up and that is actually a place you can rent for weddings or you can stay there oh. like in the mansion. Yeah. It's like oh. a bed and breakfast slash event venue. So I don't know.
0: Dirty. Do you, know, you can rent the scream house, the house where the finale and scream. What? You can rent that and stay there. Like it's on Airbnb or, or it was for a while. I'm not sure if it still is. But could, like, could you do that? Could you stay there? I would, I wouldn't mind driving by or maybe even walking in. I'm not yeah. sleeping there. There's yeah. no fucking way no. I'm sleeping okay.
3: there. Okay. No. Okay. No. I was like, there's no way I could sleep there. Like, I know it's a movie and I couldn't sleep there. Yeah. There's or anything no way. where
2: there's been a very public thing, not necessarily even a ghost or whatever, but just like because everyone knows this right. place, like, who yeah. right. knows what people will do. That's and, true. You know? Yeah. You're yeah.
3: kind of a sitting duck if you're, yeah. So he was 50 at the time. He was fatally shot by a na- man named Andrew uh, Kuanan, who was 27. Um, and he was already the target of a nationwide manhunt um, because he killed four other men across the country before he finalized here Um, and one of the main things that was kind of came out of this was some kind of changes in police work because when Andrew came to the area he sold he pawned some gold coins that were registered to one of his victims and had there been more computer systems at the time or Uh had they been Um, working together better, they would have figured that out Mm. when he first came to the area and possibly stopped it before this. But because everything was paper, they do report, pawn shops report everything to the police, but it took so much longer. That is eventually where they found him because he gave his actual address of where Mm. he was staying in South Beach. So they were able to track him down through that, but it was after the fact. So... Unfortunately, that was one of the things that kind of came out of this was some deeper look at police work and how can, you know, counties and places talk together better or work better together. So um, they really didn't come up with a clear motive I mean there's a lot of speculation there's you know if you watch the American crime story they kind of have a theory in there but there wasn't they weren't able to really come up with anything definitive um, because he shot himself before they found him he committed suicide on houseboat, so they never really got down to the they could kind of backtrack his steps and be like well this is what we think he did but we never really knew why and I think that's partially why it stayed kind of in the zeitgeist for so long Mm -hmm. is because it feels a little pointless like what was what was the ultimate goal so Mm -hmm. um it's an interesting story it's a sad story uh but like i said the american crime story version of it's amazing if you don't know anything else about the murder just kind of about his life and his relationship with his family Mm -hmm. and um didn't penelope cruz play donatella uh (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. yeah, she Uh did she did a really good job okay yeah yeah but that's an interesting story, too. Like, their dynamic uh-huh. is, is an interesting one of her kind of having to take it over and um, being somewhat of a kind of silenced partner mm-hmm. prior to that. So there was, I mean, she faced criticism because there were times that people thought maybe she had the hand in it because she stood to gain the most, mm-hmm. really, uh-huh. after he passed. But 1997, and I, I have vivid memories of seeing this on TV, mm-hmm. watching, you know, programs about it. And mm-hmm. I also remember there being sort of, all these conspiracy theories just under the surface that, like, no one was talking about that seemed sinister or, mm-hmm. you know, made it darker. Not that it isn't already dark, yeah. but, you know, it seems to have an aura. because,
2: like, obviously right now our world is one of online conspiracies uh-huh. everywhere. Yeah. And I wonder if in some of these early days of the internet, when there was something like this, if there were, like, a lot of forums and stuff where people were – you know, throwing around these conspiracy theories, but it just hadn't reached the, you know, the level that the internet obviously is yeah, now. Yeah, mm-hmm. for so sure. So we weren't seeing a lot of that, but I imagine there was a lot of hubbub.
3: Yeah, on oh the absolutely. Webs. And yeah, there yeah. was a lot of conspiracy theories about it. There was a lot of like retracing of steps of who he had killed before and like why did he do that? And, you know, kind of trying to figure out his motive. There was a, there's a lot of questions about whether he did it on his own. There's different theories mm-hmm. about that, whether or not he acted solely by himself or had help.
0: Hmm. I am now um, thinking of Maya Rudolph's uh Down and of Versace. That's yeah. what I'm thinking oh. about now. <laughs> That's good yeah. yeah. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do you got, Heath? Um uh, let's talk about some movies from 1997. ninety Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, so several times in the 80s and 90s, uh, there were, pairs of movies were released very close to each other. They were kind of about the same thing. Oh, uh, like in the late 80s, you had one movie called Like Father, Like Son with Dudley Moore and Kirk Cameron. That piece of shit mm-hmm, were in that mm-hmm. one. And then like the next year, Vice Versa, uh-huh. starring Fred Savage and uh, Judge Reinhold came out. Yes. Uh, both movies were about, you know, a dad and their son just kind of swapping bodies. The
2: Judge Reinhold one was
0: far superior. Yes, yes. <laughs> Um, everyone, if you're smart, you take Judge Reinhold over Debbie Moore any day of the week. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In 1998, there was Deep Impact and Armageddon, and there were about <laughs> meteors on a collision course with Earth. But in 1997, we had a pair of volcano movies.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> the first one came out in February of that year and was called Dante's Peak. <laughs> it starred Pierce Brosnan. He was in between Bond movies. Yep, yep. And Linda Hamilton, and it was set in Washington State where a long dormant volcano seems to be coming back to life. They notice that this is the conclusion they're drawing because they notice some dead trees, dead squirrels, and two people boiled to death in a hot spring. (laughs) Whoa! (laughs) And they almost immediately figure out that like, it's a dormant volcano, it's coming back to life. I would have guessed... So those
2: are the pieces (laughs) Yes.
0: <laughs> I would have guessed teens yeah 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 <laughs> that, that would have Tom been Froobie. my home Tom yes. yeah. Yeah. uh yeah the second movie was simply called Volcano and it starred Tommy Lee Jones and Anne Heche oh my god yeah and it was released in April of that year what a fucked up combo <laughs> so that movie is about a volcanic eruption <laughs> in Los Angeles oh yeah yeah specifically I... this, the La Brea Tar Pits oh, is, is oh, a dormant no. volcano oh no. yeah. And it's about the first responders who are attempting <laughs> to kind of direct the lava flow away from people's uh, homes. Mm-hmm. So just before the movie came out, Anne Hesh came out. Oh, yeah. Uh, and started dating Ellen DeGeneres. Mm-hmm. And um, they were asked to not attend the premiere. But they did it anyway. And they were asked to leave before the movie ended. Which is what? wild because that seems like shit from like the 1950s that that would happen. Yes! But this, this happened yeah. like like not that long ago. And I, I mean, it's as if lesbians in attendance was even one of the top one hundred problems with this fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, what are they gonna do? Just show their lesbianism, right? It's like, sh- convert and as, everyone. If people yeah. were
3: just like glued to volcano too, right. like that was the yeah. big blockbuster. Yeah, yeah.
0: They weren't gonna like start scissoring in the audience or anything. Everybody, Ah, <laughs>
1: uh, that would have been better, that would have been great.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: So besides besides all the other similarities these movies already had, they both had what I like to call an unlikely hero scene. Mm. <laughs> In, in Dante's Peak, a group of people are uh, running away from the lava, and they're using a motorboat to kind of go across this lake, right? And the boat's just about to shore, but stops because the – this is science. I've got science for you. Okay. The sulfuric gases dissolving in the water create sulfuric acid, which destroys the motor – and starts corroding the boat, right? So they're like, they can see the other the shore, right? And they're just like, oh my god, we're all gonna die. So this old lady in the I boat. I wish
2: there were moments where <laughs> listeners could see our skeptical faces because yeah. we're just not speaking because yeah. we're like, what?
3: <laughs> what? Wait, yeah. I was already there with rowboat <laughs> yeah, so far. Yeah, i was like, like we, this is our only option. Yeah, okay.
0: So the old lady in the boat gets out of the boat to push it the rest of the way to the shore. But, you know, then she gets burned up by sulfuric acid. Course. Shoot. <laughs>
2: that yeah. unlikely hero. Uh-huh.
0: Shoot. Yep. So meanwhile, in the other volcano movie, the <laughs> one in L.A., a group of people are stuck in the L.A. subway with lava approaching, right? Oh, no. So the rescue team gets everybody off the subway except for the driver. And Stan, who normally works in an office with Tommy Lee Jones.
3: <laughs> Obviously. <laughs>
0: Picks up the driver as if he is carrying him over the threshold at their wedding and jumps from the subway car into about a foot of lava, but then walks the driver (laughs) safely (laughs) to to safety as his own legs melt.
2: but there were a lot of close-ups on his face. He's uh-huh.
1: trying to he get through in lava. Yeah.
0: And again, I'm no scientist, but I think <laughs> if you jumped in lava, you'd just fucking disintegrate into a puff of smoke. Yeah. I don't yeah. think it's just a slow melt. No, no, yeah. no, no. no. It'd be like you were coming out of a vape pen. I like, mean... that's, like that's how <laughs> you are going.
2: In The Lord of the Rings, the ring is destroyed in seconds. A goddamn
3: uh-huh. gold ring. Yep. I humans have, mm-hmm. I have questions about I mean, this just brings up climate change for me, in the sense that <laughs> why are we always attacking public transportation? We want more people to use right. it, yet yeah. we're getting caught by lava. We're getting uh-huh. caught by hurricanes. Yes. We got serial killers. We're <clears throat> always killing people in public transportation. Always. Uh-huh. That is not helping the messaging. No.
2: It's not. And I've never seen lava on never the show. <laughs> never seen sure. lava. Never saw it.
0: Not yet. No well, that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> so yeah, um, as you may have guessed, uh, volcanoes lose in both of these movies. <laughs>
3: Damn it! I was mm-hmm. rooting for the volcanoes. Yep, Shoot! They do. And I think well, they all... did get that guy's legs. So <laughs> yeah, that's, true.
0: that's
2: true. they did.
0: So we can only—the only conclusion we can draw is that volcanoes are pussies. <laughs> <laughs> Done.
2: There were a lot of those, like uh, uh, there was one like Tombstone
0: fingers. and White Earth. Yeah. it was so—I don't oh, know. Oh yeah. I don't know if like some producer like goes to a movie studio is like yeah. I want to make this movie and they're like no nah, we don't want to do that and then he leaves and goes and sells it somewhere else but the first studio is like we're just going to steal his idea.
2: Yes. And that's uh... how this happened
0: but yeah it happened regularly all the time
2: and they would be released very closely yes. together. Yeah. yeah. I had been thinking about the Deep Impact and Armageddon one. Uh-huh. I forgot that was 98. Mm-hmm. But those two were, yeah.
3: It feels like a deep spy conspiracy to me. Mm. Like mm. somebody was working at one of the studios and, like, they're going to make a movie about do-do-do. And then espionage. this, yeah, the other one had to real quick come up, like, another marketing meeting. Yep. And they're like, we have it on good authority <laughs> that they're doing a volcano movie. We got Tommy Lee Jones. We got Anne Do Hayes. Do they have the subway in it? Do they? <laughs> answer me one question. Do they have the subway in it? If not, that is our movie.
2: Do they have a guy defying science and walking through lava? Then we're in.
1: We're
3: in. Green light. Uh-huh. Make it, here's here's five hundred million dollars.
0: Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly.
3: Oh wow. Well,
2: my next one for mm-hmm. nineteen ninety seven is the Ballad of Fenfen, and oh. it's coming to an end. Oh, Wow. <laughs> so on beautifully September. worded.
3: The Ballad Thank of you. Fenfen. Yes, wow. Yes. yes.
2: Uh, because it, it feels like a ballad, there's a there's a lot going on. Um, mm-hmm. On September 15th, uh, fenfen was a weight loss drug, mm-hmm. and it was pulled from the market mm-hmm. because of problems relating to heart disease and pulmonary embolism. <laughs> Is that because of like the meth yeah. in it. So, the, fenfen was. F- I'm gonna try these, okay? Fenfluoramine mm. and a related <laughs> <laughs> and a related drug dexphenfluramine mm. that were combined and they were supposedly were hyped as the new great weight loss drug, right? right? Like everyone's taking them, everyone's losing weight. Oh my God, it's amazing. But it was one of many weight loss treatments that it got really, really popular and then it was pulled from pharmacy shelves. And there's a great quote from a guy uh, at Harvard Medical School uh, Peter Cohen, who said, it's a cycle perpetuated by the FDA. It's been going on since the amphetamines came out in the twenties and thirties where they rush something through. They're not really thinking about long-term stuff. Oh my God, everyone's buying it. Yay. Tons of money. And then, oh shit, you know, there's a hole in your heart. (laughs) (laughs) So this started unraveling, uh, uh, Julie Flessis was a critical care nurse, and she turned into an attorney, and she was a key player in the lawsuits that came about because Mm. of FenFen. In fact, in 2002, her law firm hired a group of cardiologists in Kansas City to send echocardiogram technicians to perform ultrasound scans on people who had used FenFen. And so they set up, like, testing sites at area hotels and called all of these, mostly women, uh-huh. um, to to this area. And over a period of about a year, they scanned the hearts of more than 2,000 users. Wow. And that data went on to form 175,000 claims against <gasps> Wyeth, the maker of FenFen, who <laughs> they set aside. Wyeth set aside $21 billion to settle the lawsuits.
3: <laughs> Damn.
2: Which tells you how much they made.
0: Right. Yes. Yeah.
2: It's like, oh, here's a little bit of pocket change that we can get right. to, you know, settle these. Oh, poor, you know. Holes I'm sorry about your hole in your heart. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: How much they thought this was going to be a problem? Yeah. Like, that clearly ahead of time, we're like something's exactly. going to go wrong. We yeah. need to exactly order, uh, earmark some money. And
2: for this. the yeah, the scope of it, the 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 amount of claims that were high. You know, uh, I I read some of this in retrospective articles, you know, and some of them were talking to people that used it back in the 90s, and they're still experiencing heart issues, like they're having some fucked up uh, side effects still, you know, like almost 30 years later. And what really interested me in it, especially with that quote from that doctor that said that it's a sort of cycle perpetuated by the FDA, it feels like Ozempic might be headed towards a similar Mm -hmm. reckoning, you know, because it is the hot drug, everyone's fucking talking about it, everyone's on social media hyping it up. But it is so new, and no one's looked at long-term effects. Like, it's supposed to be used for diabetes, right? So, uh, how are we affecting our bodies if we're taking Ozempic to, you know, lose mm-hmm. a bunch of weight? I'm wondering what's going to be the repercussions of this going forward. Uh-huh. Right, right. So it feels like the Ballad of Fenfen Fen might is- be a, uh, you know, cautionary tale. For Ozempic it, and the like. It
3: might have a twin movie. Like It might have a twin movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because, yeah, there's already, like, stuff coming out about people having side effects that they didn't know about. Exactly. Or, uh-huh. You know.
2: And it feels that I that did, you know, I don't want to jump into because yeah. there's so many conspiracies about the FDA and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. But I do think that, you know, they probably rush a lot of these things to approval. Because there's some good data and because we've hyped up this obesity epidemic, and oh my God this is it killing us all, and so they rush these things to market, and it's a case of the treatment being way worse than the actual
0: condition, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I don't even like for me, I don't think there's a wonder drug for like weight loss, like in I would God never no. believe in that, no, just because yeah. like the way my mind works, if I like only hit three stoplights on the way to work, I'm thinking, Well, what the fuck's gonna happen now? Exactly. Like I can't. like the other shoe's gonna drop, you know? Like I yes. can't. <laughs> if something if mm-hmm. yeah, if I took some drug and like you know, it like fixed every problem I have in my life, it, like I would automatically assume like my, my house is gonna are, burn yeah, down yeah. Or, or something. You know? Yes, so,
2: every twinge, you'd be like, "I'm having a heart attack." Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. is it. Well, uh-huh. and what's interesting is around this time, I think it was '97 as well. It was the first time that pharmaceutical ads were able to be public or to be broadcast on TV with a long list of side effects, mm-hmm. right? Uh-huh. And so we're used to that. We're used to seeing how many side effects a drug has. So why are we not thinking about the side effects? You know, it's just like, oh my god, I, I gotta lose weight. I
3: gotta be super skinny, and
2: yeah. It's dumb. It is. It's wild. And it leads to holes in your heart. Uh Holes in your heart. Holes in your heart.
3: Which are not just easily repairable.
2: Yeah. And basically, yeah, fen-fen was speed. And yeah. it <laughs> they were just marketing the shit out of it. <laughs> They're just marketing the shit out of it with a fancy name that uh, again, marketing team. Like why why Fenfen? Fen? <sighs> because in case you don't know, listeners, the first Fen in that hyphenated phrase is F-E-N. The second
0: one is P H E N. Oh. oh. Mm-hmm.
2: Fen Fen. fen. <laughs> so, you know.
0: Pretty hot and Fenny. <laughs> <laughs>
3: So whoever came up with that name. Because you're going to go from fat to fat.
0: Uh-huh. Oh. it. Uh, that's- that's- that should
2: have been the marketing meeting.
0: <laughs> that should
2: have been it. <laughs> mm-hmm. They would have sold a lot more speed with uh-huh. that
0: yeah. Yeah, logo. With that. Tapped into a yeah. new market. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. I remember my middle school uh, health teacher had a hole in her heart, not from taking Fenfen, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> But she, she she told us that, like, in class. And she was greeted with a room full of seventh graders just with blank stares on her face. It's like, okay. And I think she thought that she was going to get a bigger reaction. All of us were just like, oh, well, you seem fine.
2: What yeah. <laughs> do you want us and to why, why, are, yeah, why are you telling why, us yeah. this? Yeah. But, yeah. And is this a parable? Is this like a Grinch story? You have a
0: hole in your heart? Or is this legit? Do you have literally have a hole in your she heart? Claims, she claims she did. I didn't see it myself, oh, so that, who knows? Yeah. All
3: right. see <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, my last one for 1997 (laughs) is, is a toy. Oh. And I don't know if you, I didn't specifically have one before I tell you what it is, but I will tell you that I bought one this year because they made a comeback and someone asked for it for Christmas. A measles? Oh. Are we talking about measles? Measles! <laughs> measles. It was, it's <laughs> the measles! Definitely! <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> this is called a Tamagotchi. Oh.
2: Uh, uh, remember these little yeah. digital
3: things that I were like I on a kitchen? I
2: think I thought it was called Yamagotchi. That's another thing. <laughs> That's... That's
3: it. It. Um, it. This loosely translates to egg watch because oh. it was like loosely kind of an egg shape and mm-hmm. you hatched a creature that you had to keep alive. It was like the first iteration of sims in a tiny like digital keychain form um and it was created in japan in 1996 but it was released in the united states in may of 97 and it was quickly one of the biggest toy fads of the 90s and early 2000s um as of june 2023 90 91 million Mm. units have been sold worldwide so uh the whole idea is that these are Tamagotchis are a small alien species that deposited an egg on Earth to see what life was like. And it's up to the player to raise the egg into an adult creature. And they go through several stages of growth um, and will develop differently depending on the care that the player provides. So we're raising our killers. (laughs)
2: We're raising the aliens that are going to kill us. Because we're idiots. Exactly.
3: (laughs) Better care from the player results in an adult creature that is smarter, happier, and requires less attention. So if that's not a life lesson, I don't know (laughs) what is. So that seems like common sense that they put in a video game, yet we fail Uh -uh. on a regular basis. Uh Um, They have a hunger meter, a happy meter, and a training meter. It it was called the Christmas gift of the year in November, 1997 by the Swedish retail Institute. So part of (laughs) Swedish, Swedish by the Swedish retail Institute. Um, in the nineties, children were frequently taking them to school because you couldn't leave them for that long Uh without having to feed them or provide care. And so there was kind of this outpouring from schools that were like, okay, stop bringing your Tamagotchi pets. Like we literally cannot have kids dealing with these during school. Like it was an actual problem. Um, And there was one guy in southern England who really cashed in on this, and he set aside a small portion of his pet cemetery for Tamagotchi pets that died because eventually they grow up, and apparently they do die. And he told CNN in 1998 that he had performed burials for Tamagotchi owners from Germany, Switzerland, (laughs) France, and the United States and Canada, uh, who shipped their dead pet by postal mail. And then they place <laughs> he placed them in a little coffin and their final bearing places top of flowers. Huh.
0: That can't be so. good for the ground. I mean, those things must decompose. You're
3: yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, not good. No. Or and it's I,
0: like a... I don't think he's really doing it. I think people are mailing him <laughs> yes. these Tamagotchis. He's like, all right, he throws them in the garbage. Yeah, he t-
3: sends the same stock photo back. Uh-huh. Here's it with the flowers.
2: Yeah. Or maybe he does do it, and it's all part of the plot by the aliens. Because once oh. you're it underground, that's oh, when you they come back to life. You can, sprout. Sprout. You can yeah. sprout. And then they sprout.
3: Yeah, they're more yeah. people. Yep. that's. You're right. This is what it is. So, I, I mean... I guess good job cashing in on the craze that yeah. you had nothing to do with but still managed to make money on. Yeah. That was impressive. He's an
0: early influencer.
3: <laughs> yeah I mean really that's yeah kind of blew so my mind. you kept this thing alive but then it eventually died? It died yeah it became an adult it had a lifespan. How long was the lifespan? I don't There was I think I read that there was a record of like someone keeping it alive for like 90 days or something like I don't think it was like a so (laughs) all these kids are buying this toy that then dies on them Mm -hmm. and they made a resurgence because charlie uh my granddaughter asked for one for christmas and then convinced mason that he needed one so i bought two this year um they're i don't know what they retailed for in 97 but they were like 1995 i mean they were like 20 bucks a piece but and the iterations now charlie got a unicorn and mason got a cat yeah so, and Mason lost interest on, like, day two. <laughs> he was like, this is an incredible amount. This isn't a real cat of mom. Of responsibility for a keychain. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But there, I think that in this, I don't know if this is how the old one worked, but the new iteration, like, you can reset it and start it over, like, regrow it and do, so I don't know if they didn't have a reusable feature before, and now they do, or what, but, yeah. I'm just picturing all the, the,
2: the people that were, like nine or ten when this was happening, and they they were traumatized. Yeah. Traumatized hard. So mm-hmm. hard. They're still dealing
0: with oh, it, it today. Oh, yeah, it's dying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I worked in the electronics department at Target uh, oh. during the holiday season in 1997, and I was very happy to say that Tamagotchis were in the toy department. <laughs> oh, Because <laughs> people would come and look for them in electronics a well, lot, and I'd send them over to toys.
3: And you'd be like, I don't have to deal with yeah. any of that Tamagotchi fool yeah. Tomfoolery. What were you
2: selling instead of
3: Tamagachis?
0: in uh, I a lot of Texas instruments, uh, oh. graphing cal- uh, calculators, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, a yeah. lot of boom boxes. Okay, Ooh, uh-huh. yes, Ooh. yes. Yep, TVs. Uh-huh. Mm. I loved it when old men would come in and they'd try to wheel and deal with me like on TV prices. And I'm just like, listen, I get paid $6 an hour whether you buy this TV or not. <laughs> I am not Doesn't authorized to, to take 20 bucks off it. <laughs> not no.
2: authorized. <laughs> I have to work three hours to get that 20 bucks. Nope, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. yeah. What's your last one? Mine
0: um, uh, my, my kind of, uh, uh, it reminds me a little bit of the last one. That, you know There were a pair of movies that I talked about. Uh-huh. This is a pair of people oh, who ooh. released the same song okay. in the same oh. year. And that song was How Do I Live. <laughs> How do I live? Trisha Trina. Yearwood and Leanne Rimes yeah. both recorded that song in 1997. So, um, you know, people cover songs all the time. Yeah. But it's kind of weird when two people release the same release individual versions of the same song at the same time
3: and they were both considered country at the time right Right. so it's the same genre do you have a preference of which one you like
0: better I do Okay. I like the Trisha Yearwood version better me too
2: that (laughs) was in Con Air yes yeah Yeah, yeah. I
0: remember that yeah so Diane Warren wrote the song How Um, Do I Live uh, for the movie Con Air you know um, which features one of the best line readings of all time when Nicolas Cage says put the bunny down (laughs) And if you haven't seen the movie, I would check it out just for that.
2: Mm-hmm. Also, picture Nicolas Cage with a really long, like, sort of mullet going yeah. on uh-huh.
0: you know,
3: in his natural state. Yeah.
0: Mean, yeah, yeah. the premise of the movie is it's an airplane with a bunch of convicts on it that is flying <laughs> yes. across the country. And at some point, the convicts <laughs> yeah. take over and the, the guards are no longer in charge. And, That's like, right. John Malkovich There's is John in Malkovich, it. John Malkovich,
2: yeah. 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 There's some...
0: And the, yes. the the plane lands on the Las Vegas Strip, and ever no one dies, like everything's it's, fine.
2: <laughs> it's very grounded in realism yeah. that movie.
1: Uh-huh.
0: So yeah. <laughs> so and Diane Diane Warren has been writing Diane Warren has been writing songs forever and ever. Like she's written all sorts of songs that we all are super familiar with. She wrote "If I Could Turn Back Time," oh, as Cher sings. She wrote "Unbreak My Heart" from Tony Braxton. Wow. What? That's my
3: favorite Tony Braxton uh-huh. song of all time.
0: And she wrote Blame It on the Rain by Millie Vanilli. Whoa! <laughs> yeah. That uh-huh. they didn't sing. Right, yeah. yeah. But somebody sang. Somebody sang. Yeah. And she's been nominated for 15 Academy Awards, but she hasn't won yet. That's... Academy Awards? Yeah. She, Damn. She, she was awarded like an honorary Oscar, I think, in the last couple of years. But she's been nominated for Best Song 15 uh, wow. times. Okay,
3: yeah. real quick. Would you be okay if you're her and you've been nominated 15 times, you haven't actually won, and uh-huh. they give you an honorary one? How do you feel about that? I'd, be,
2: I'd feel annoyed. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's a pity at Oscar. Yeah, that's
3: what you would feel like, right? Like, yeah. it's yeah. an Oscar, but at the same time, like, then just vote for yeah, me and, uh-huh. and give me a goddamn award. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Like, I don't
2: want your. Mm. Yeah. No. <laughs>
1: yes. That energy.
0: You shove your Oscar. Yeah. Shove it right up your butt. Yeah. Shove it right up your butt. <laughs> <laughs> so, Diane Warren writes How do I live for Connor?" She's out and about in Hollywood, apparently, and ran into Leanne Rhymes and told Leanne. That she wrote the song for her, in mind, wrote the song with her in mind, and oh. asked her to record it. So Leanne recorded it at the movie studio, which was Disney. They didn't really like it because they, they thought a fourteen-year-old singing "How Do I Live Without You" fair was kind of unconvincing, yep. right? Yep, yep, yeah. So that's Disney, surprising had, for Disney, right? <laughs> it's like Pocahontas was twelve and she yeah. was in love with Mel Gibson. Right? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Ariel
3: has to leave her whole family and marry a guy on land. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, that's fine. Like, yep. yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah.
0: So Disney asked Trisha Yearwood to record it, but she didn't know that Leanne Rhymes had already recorded a version of the song. So she's kind of in the dark about all this.
3: <gasps> Ew, yeah. Yeah.
1: shady.
0: Uh, yeah. So Disney loves the Trisha Yearwood version, and that's what's used in the movie. And when Leanne Rhymes' record label heard about the Trisha Yearwood version, they were kind of reluctant to release the Leanne Rhymes version, just because you know it's all kind of muddy, you know. Yeah. But Diane Warren uh, convinced them to. Um, Probably, I, I assume, because as the songwriter, she stands to make twice as much money yep. if, you know, yep. both versions go right. out. So the Lee anne Rimes version was kind of more of a pop version of it and was played on pop radio. And Trisha Yearwood's version was more of a country version that played on country stations. But they both, the versions of the song were big hits, and they both peaked at number two on their respective charts. Wow. Which is, you know, interesting. Yeah. So at the Grammys, then the next year in 1998, for the first time ever, two artists were nominated for for performing the same song in the same category in the same year. They both wow. got nominated for their versions of the song. Really? Yeah. So the the category was Best Female Country Vocal Performance. And again, the Leanne Rimes version kind of wasn't really country-ish, but yeah. this is all, you know. The Grammys are kind of make their own rules sometimes. Yes, they do. So, in a weird twist, Leanne Rimes performed a song on the show, and immediately after her performance, Trisha Yearwood won the Grammy Award for
3: it. <laughs> so, was this actually a deep, dark plan of Diane Lawrence to embarrass Leanne
0: Rimes? Maybe, maybe. She was maybe just like, Grow up, babe.
3: Oh, yeah. well, I got one for you. <laughs>
0: out of world war. <laughs> uh-huh. yep. Sinister
3: plot foot. Oh,
0: so- and I mean, I don't know what her, what she said in her acceptance speech, what Tisha Yearwood said, but if I had been her, I would have been smug as a hell yeah. when I was collecting that award. And smug I would have me. just been like, I guess you picked the wrong person to sing on the show, huh?
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So and again, this song was also uh, nominated for Best Original Song, one of her 15 nominations at the Academy Awards that year. And it lost to, you know, My Heart Will Go On from Titanic because uh, I yeah, came of out in Of course, of course. And and another weird twist, it was also nominated for Worst Original Song that year at the Golden Raspberry Awards. Wow! (laughs) So, um, but it lost that award, too, to a song from the Kevin Costner movie, The Postman.
2: Which, of course, we remember. It's a classic, iconic song. Yeah, that's a uh terrific song.
3: It's in my (laughs) current playlist. Yep.
2: So, obviously, they chose right on that one.
0: And it's funny, you were talking earlier about... um, uh, Public music, like yeah. it gets pub- pumped into like patios and all that kind of stuff that you yeah. hear that you don't want to hear. So, again, I mentioned Target a few minutes ago. I worked at Target when this was all oh, yeah. um, popular that summer. And I remember the Leanne Rimes version was kind of in heavy rotation in the electronics department. Um, and I don't think I ever grew to actually hate it. But as I pointed out, I liked the um, I liked the Trisha Yearwood version uh, more. And I mean, no one's ever asked me that before today (laughs) so i'm glad i had an answer ready for you when you it's
3: an important i I felt like it was an important question Uh yeah Mm -hmm. and And i'm glad that we were aligned Mm -hmm. and we both liked the same version
0: (laughs) because like what they said like it was unconvincing that a 14 year old was singing about that kind of stuff michael (laughs) he famously i don't guess not famously famously to me he went to there was some sort of like talent show or something that he had to go to when he was like in eighth grade or something that he played his french horn at or something and i remember his family still talks about this sometimes <laughs> uh, an eighth grader was singing save the best for last that oh. vanessa williams song oh. and they were all just like you're in eighth grade eighth like grade. what are yeah. you like what huh what this are is, you this doing is about a lifetime's worth uh-huh. of stuff yeah. Yeah. of sex
2: yeah yeah <laughs> yep. Yep. feels very appropriate yeah Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so good. There was another, like, around this time, maybe, what, 98, 99, where wasn't there, like, a country band that did a song and, like, a maybe a boy band that did a song? Uh, yes. Uh, uh-huh.
0: John Michael Montgomery and... Yeah. Uh, all for one. All for all one. one yeah. that's... I swear. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: That felt like another. They came out around the same yes, time, right? Yes, and Yeah. yeah. But yeah. different genres, so you weren't necessarily hearing both of them. Right. So that's
0: so weird that it was in the same. And all for one was like the poor man's boys to men, it right? It Really was. Yes. <laughs> it was. Yeah. It was. What they about and were... color me bad? They didn't. Oh, <laughs> they I were like. Yeah. They were like the discount bin yeah. boys <laughs> <laughs> to men. <laughs> <laughs> Just
2: it's like the copy of the copy of the copy.
3: They were
0: like if Boystown Demand was set on someone's curb with the sign that said free. They were like
3: Russell Sportswear <laughs> compared to Nike. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, for my final one, I've got a unique Iowa story ooh, from 1997, ooh. which okay. is the McCoy
0: Septuplets. Oh, yes.
3: <laughs> How did I forget this?
2: Kenny and Bobby McCoy of Carlisle, Iowa,
3: they're from Carlyle? Carlisle? Carlisle. Oh, my. We're
2: having fertility issues. So they started treatment with a drug called Metrodin to stimulate ovulation. This is a mm. lot of information that you're, you're getting right now. I
0: love it. Um, I thought and... can't you just lean against a washing machine and a spin cycle. <laughs> Won't that stimulate ovulation? <laughs> is that That's I... what they did after oh, taking okay. the drug to help it along? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. All right.
2: So Bobby became pregnant with seven babies. Ugh. No. Seven <laughs> no. babies. And they were given, um, they were offered, like, to take some of them out, but they refused. Okay. They they were like, nope, give me all seven. So on November nineteenth, nineteen eighty seven, Bobby gave birth to the septuplets, which were four boys and three girls. And as I was writing this, Michael reminded me they also had a kid before this. Mm-hmm. So like there was a, a younger kid that was suddenly like, oh, seven
3: siblings,
2: yay!
3: Yeah. I just like it's so stressful to imagine. It like I might I can feel that my blood pressure went up. Yeah. <laughs> so they were born prematurely <laughs> via Shocker. C-section. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You what? You couldn't carry seven babies to term?
2: Uh-huh. That's weird. Um, and it took forty medical specialists to deliver the babies. Oh god. And they were all born within six minutes of each other. So just imagine like forty pairs of hands just grabbing, just grabbing (laughs) all the babies. I hope she was knocked out. I hope she was just not conscious. How
0: like how was the operating room even big enough for everybody?
3: Like, was it just a line? I'm telling you right now, when you have a baby, it's like a goddamn clown car. You would never <laughs> imagine the number of people they can fit in that room. Oh, jeez. And you're like, why? Who are you now?
2: So you're just a random vag for everyone to come in, <laughs> come in and witness.
3: Mm-hmm. I've told you that story, yeah, that yeah, yeah. post-Mason, and then you go into the doctor's office and you're like, I know all your faces. Like, in the moment, you're not with it enough to be like, this right. is too many people. But then when you walk back in that office and you're like, all of you were there. Oh, God. No, thank
2: you. Well, she had that happen with 40 people at least. Yeah, that's absurd. Absurd. And, you know, I I remember, I imagine we all remember this because it was big news for Iowa. It was Mm -hmm. also like the first of like multiple birth situations. Like this was before John and Kate plus eight, before all of that. And they, you know, if I remember correctly, they got like a lot of donations, a lot of goodwill, things like Mm -hmm. that. But they didn't go the public route. They didn't do reality shows. They didn't do anything like that. Um, and as a result, apparently, you know, the kids are probably pretty normal. Yeah. Um, you know, there was never any reports of drugs and weirdness and all the shit. Um, Michael told me that. After the McCoy Septuplets were born, there was a reporter at the Register whose beat was the McCoys. And, like, every year, they would do a check-in, mm-hmm. like, on the, you know, the Makes kids. Sense. yeah. See how they're doing. And, and Curry
0: on NBC. Like, she she did that. Yeah. Every year. She yeah. followed them a lot. Yeah, that's
2: right. I mean, it wasn't just Iowa news. It was national news. Yeah. It may be international, because this was a first of a, you know, I mean, that's a shit ton of babies yeah. in a womb. Yeah. And, it, you know, there were more that came after that, but... It was a situation of, you know, the first time fertility drugs being like, ha, 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 here right. you go. <laughs> Can you imagine she... <laughs>
3: the insufferable question she got over and over? Like, God. how are you going to feed
0: seven babies? Yeah. Like,
3: yeah. just the gross, disgusting, like, repeated yeah. stereotypes and tropes that yeah. she well, probably saw. And I
0: remember they were on the cover of People magazine. Yes. I remember she got a lot of heat about her appearance. Like, there was just this right. lady who was just, just this average lady who just had trouble having a kid. Yeah. Yeah. She wasn't all, now a celebrity a sudden, yeah, right right right. Some yeah. ass hats are but like fix your teeth and it's just like fuck off.
3: Yeah. Really.
2: Yeah, and they weren't like they weren't seeking this attention. They just Uh-oh. it was a whoops and, you know, mm-hmm. a <laughs> big whoops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wonder if they told all of them, "You guys were our surprise babies." Yep.
3: Yeah. <laughs> surprise. <laughs> Well, at least six of them, they say right, that, yeah. too. Yeah, at least <laughs> six of them, yeah. Can you imagine that doctor's office visit? Like, we imagine a lot of fake marketing meetings, but uh. that... Like, <laughs> so, uh, we did worked. the ultrasound. Yeah. Um, it worked. It You know what? We're going to start with the really, really good news. It, it was successful. It's worked yeah.
0: AF. Yeah. <laughs>
3: It's not necessarily bad news. It's just (laughs) something that we need to keep an eye on. Um, There's seven. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're having a litter. (laughs) <laughs>
2: litter i mean seriously what you're gonna poop out a litter because there's a lot of babies mm-hmm. so many
3: babies you're i mean basically you have one day to process that because if you're going seven babies you know how fast that's expanding yeah mm-hmm. like yeah. you better get right in your head within the next couple of days because your belly's about to explode
2: it's a good point because i i think i've mentioned before like i remember when my mom went to the ultrasound and found out twins and she was just wrecked like emotionally yeah. <laughs> everything. just thinking about the money thinking about the time all of that so seven seven imagine them going home being like so
3: what are we gonna do so I'm gonna make my own baby food I think yeah. we can save some money there <laughs>
2: <laughs> we're just gonna let them shit in the yard we're not gonna yeah. do diapers we're
3: just gonna <laughs> just send them we're out we're just gonna to plastic <laughs> everything so we can hose it off and no. we're done
2: yeah so the McCoy Septuplets, they started something big, but they were sort of the originals. They didn't, uh, like I said, they didn't do the reality show, mm-hmm. all of that. Maybe she got a little taste of that fame from People yeah. Magazine and she's like, fuck this. Yeah. I don't want oh, people you. talking about my appearance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to raise these seven fucking kids.
0: Mm-hmm. And those kids are all like, what, 27 now or something yeah, like yeah, that? They're almost yeah. 30.
3: Jeez.
2: I do wonder, like, you know, and we've talked about John and Kate Plus 8 in kind of a funny tone, but like... You know how twins will often have like their own unique bond Mm -hmm. and that can manifest in a lot of ways. But just the fact that you're growing up together in such close proximity, I wonder what it was like for seven of them Uh to have this unit and then have this other sibling just sort of outside that unit, you know? that had to be really hard for that other sibling. And I know that happened with John and Kate too, right? They had an older... I think they had... They had twins. I think they
0: had twins and then they had six. Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So they kind of had another one. Okay, Yeah. But, but yeah, that poor sibling just yeah. sort of like,
2: well, you guys are going to do your thing.
3: Also, cool. I was just thinking about like how the activities like you sign your kids up for. Oh like oh, they're just their own team. Yeah.
2: Like yeah. if they're
3: in any kind of <laughs> recreation or. Yeah.
2: Can you imagine like if one kid wants soccer, sorry, you're all doing soccer. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, not... how would
3: you get to all the different, you couldn't. Yeah. I mean, Wow. Like single-handedly kept the Carlisle School District in. sure did out of the red. Yep. Each grade
2: is just the McCoys.
3: We need another teacher just for the McCoys. Wow, I forgot. I had forgotten they were from Iowa
2: somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. What a year! '97 was a year. There was a lot more too. Things so much that we, more. We didn't get to. We'll I love get that to none of teacher. us brought
3: up the Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> We just all stayed away from
2: that. I'm surprised none of us brought up Heaven's Gate. I was thinking about it. it I did it I, th- yeah. as
3: well, yeah. I, yeah. That's an interesting one.
2: Which just means we have fodder for a future episode mm-hmm. about Some, 1997. There'll be a part two, just yeah. so you know. So what do you think we learned from 1997? That it's okay to do two movies at once? Mm. Two songs at once, mm-hmm. your idea is not original.
0: Yep. <laughs> it can be stolen. hmm Yeah. That Leanne Rhymes a fucking baby. Is a baby.
3: <laughs> yeah. Baby. A baby. And you know,
2: maybe don't use fertility drugs. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: uh, or anything else that the FDA says is okay. <laughs> exactly. Like Fed. Yeah. Men. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah.
2: Your body is okay the way it is. Yes. Don't use don't weird use drugs. Red.
3: Don't do it. Yeah. You don't want a hole in your heart. Like You don't want science, a hole in your teacher. heart.
2: Nope. That's a good thing to leave on. Mm-hmm. Just try not to get a hole in your heart,
3: okay? <laughs> yeah. Hang if on don't... for two more weeks. <laughs> if you don't have a
2: hole in your heart, you're doing great.
0: All great. right. You're doing,
3: doing right. great. You're doing great. Doing great.
0: <laughs> if, you, if you need more good advice from us, just like and subscribe. <laughs>
3: And if you can't tell, this past week, a listener sent in a check and asked us to talk about holes in hearts. Yes, so yes, that's uh-huh. what your dollars at work. Yep. <laughs> oh, you I can do, do that too. <laughs> do Done. 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 Done.
2: <laughs> Fuzzy Memories is a Broads and Books production. It's hosted by Heath Smith. Aaron Johnston and Amy Lee Lillard. The show is produced by Amy Lee Lillard. Follow us at Fuzzy Memories Pod on Instagram for clips and highlights. And follow us at Broads and Books Productions for updates on new shows coming your way. See you next time. Side note, I was thinking, too, at some point we could maybe re-release some of our, like, threesome,
1: not threesome, yeah.
2: our trio, <laughs> our trio episodes of We're
3: recording
2: some of our
1: threesome? Yes. <laughs>
3: yes. Yeah. I think we all signed waivers.
2: Yeah. yeah sure. So first we have to have the threesome, and then we'll record it, and that'll be the bonus. But also... <laughs>